Hello and welcome to Molding Masculinity. Once again, I almost said handy with handguns, even though now it's been like a year since I did that podcast. But that's not what this is. This is Molding Masculinity. I'm Tom here with Philip, and today I'm with Ashley and Matt. Uh, would you all like to introduce yourselves, beginning with Ashley? Yeah. Um, so I am Ashley and uh, live in Oregon. Got one daughter. She's four years old and slightly feral, but you know, pretty fantastic. Um, and I'm horrible at talking about myself, so I don't know what else you want to know. <laughs> That's great, uh, Matt. Uh, my name is Matt, of course. Uh, I'm from Oklahoma, um, and I don't have any kids of my own, but I do have about fifty fifth graders that I teach, so uh, lots of fun. Cool. I um I actually. Uh, did virtual learning stuff over the last school year, and I was supposed to be my first year of teaching uh, middle school, so well, a few years ahead of that. But yeah, middle school social studies, and then COVID happened, and I didn't. But um, yeah, cool. I'm glad to have both of you here. Um, I, I wasn't picking favorites there. I just picked the first name I saw and started with that person. Um, uh, but yeah, Philip, uh, what are we going to talk about today? So we have a couple of people on here today to talk about our topic, which is uh, dating and the dating scene. You know, uh, when we started approaching this, uh, the immediate first thing that we noticed was Tommy and I are both married. Uh, <laughs> and we were both married sort of before the big ubiquitousness of dating apps and, and modern sort of like internet-based dating stuff was popular to the point of, of kind of just being the default. So we went, okay, well, if we're going to talk about, you know, dating and, and how to date and how that relates to, you know, masculinity and masculine identity and, and stuff like that, that we were going to need some perspectives from, from people who are actually single and actually going through it. So yeah, we brought on a couple friends to chat about their uh, single life and how things are going with that and how that might relate to their experiences either as men or with men so yeah, yeah. um yep i uh I, I i i speaking for my own relationship uh we i have been with somebody uh well, I, me and my wife were together before the invention of tinder so like yeah that whole like my all of my online dating experiences from like yahoo instant messenger back in the day so um <laughs> Yeah, um, AOL Instant Messenger was my only experience with online dating, uh, and it was really more just an extension of high school drama than anything. But yeah, I also was married like from a very young age. Beginning, so like a, a lot of this was kind of coming up with like last episode, we were talking about incels and kind of the incel culture and talking about a lot of uh, issues that exist in the dating environment that are new. Um, well, diving right, right into it, um, for either of our guests, uh, either of you, how do you think the dating environment has changed since like the rise of Tinder and, and such, uh, from the before times to the now times? Man, I don't even know if I can answer that question because my situation is kind of unique. Um, I met my ex-husband when I was 14, um, on MySpace. And so that's like my only like big relationship. So 
I mean, like I said, we met on MySpace. We talked on AOL Instant Messenger. Um, he lived about an hour away from me. Um, so I kind of missed out on, you know, that whole before and after thing as well. Um, and then he, we got divorced when I turned, um, I was 28 when we split up. And then like right after we got divorced, the pandemic happened. Um, so I think I have a real skewed view of what dating looks like. Like, I have no idea. This is all new to me. I feel like just a baby deer stumbling around. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. And Matt? Well, it's really interesting. I, I do remember uh, the before times, uh, definitely, where a lot of meeting people and going out was very in-person. Um, but when I met my ex-wife, and I don't even know if Philip knows this or not, um, we had actually met on OkCupid um, back at the end uh, in December of 2013. And um, so we had, we had started chatting and um, going on dates, getting to know each other. And then um, less than two years later, we were married. So uh, it's, I, I remember that a lot has changed uh, since I've recently, I've recently been divorced. Uh, it got finalized. Um, we split up in, in 2018. Um, and so I'm recently back on the dating scene online. Um, just there's not necessarily a lot of people you can meet when you're teaching at a school. Uh, so uh, what I've noticed is that it was a lot easier, or at least it seemed to be back in 2012, 2013, um, you could actually see who liked you. You could see, um, you know, any kind of messages, there's unlimited likes, things like that. And now it seems to be all monetized. Everything is behind a paywall. So you can't see who likes you. Um, and in a lot of instances, you have to uh, both like each other and both message each other. And so it's, it's a little bit frustrating knowing what it was like before and then jumping into it, back into it now and, and just being frustrated, being stuck behind all these paywalls. Philip, we need a sound effect board so I can start hitting a sound effect every time we run into a capitalism is the problem. I think our podcast might just end up being a constant barrage of that sound so i don't know <laughs> um but yeah uh, man that rings true and it's a um a great example of exactly how you know they you eventually get offered a free service but it's always important to remember if you have a free service that means you're the product and uh they're gonna monetize want to monetize you somehow and uh you know yeah, it, it definitely is. Uh, uh, well, we can get into that. I uh, First, I wanted to ask, like, broadly speaking, you know, one of the things you we were talking about in the Insula was a sense in which, like, the experience of people on um, dating apps is drastically different, um, which is to say that, you know, like, I think stereotypically, uh, you know, women get an endless barrage of messages and men often complain that it feels like a complete, you know, desert of <laughs> attention. So like, what, what are kind of like your individual experiences with uh, using these apps? Like, is that ring true for you or is it kind of more complicated? What's kind of your experience with 
um, using these apps and just what's kind of your overall impression of, of what it's like? Uh, Tinder is an absolute dumpster fire, to be honest. I don't know why I'm even still on there. Um, yeah, the, the messages, um, the barrage of messages, um, that is absolutely accurate. Um, unfortunately, it's very much a quantity versus quality thing. So yeah, there's a ton of messages coming in. Um, and there's also a ton of fucking creeps out there. Like, I know that Tinder is like, I don't, well, I don't know if it's supposed to be like just for hookups now. I know that's how it technically started. Um, but also if we match and you message me and it's one line that says, Hey, I just matched because I want to see your tits. Um, I'm probably not going to reply to that because that's gross. Like you don't know anything about me. <laughs> like what, what were you thinking? What went through your mind when you sent that message? Um, so yes, there is a ton of messages that come in. Um, very, very few that are actually like worth replying to. Um, but yeah, then as far as the monetized thing goes, um, the, I think with Tinder, you get like so many right swipes before you're blocked for the day and it tells you that you are, you, you can't do anymore. Um, I've never hit that block because I'm definitely swiping left way more than I'm swiping right. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's, it's an absolute dumpster fire. I don't know why I continue doing it to myself. Um, it's, honestly more just entertainment at this point than I feel like trying to actually find a connection. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see, but yeah, no, it's, it's crazy out there. How about you, Matt? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite questions when I go on a, on a first or second date with somebody is, is, is typically to kind of bring up. So what, what's your experience been, um, on this dating app, whatever dating app it is, whether it's hinge or okay, Cupid, um, even Tinder. Um, and, and typically what it is, is exactly what Ashley described. I mean, it's just an absolute dumpster fire. And I hear um, story after story of, of guys uh, sending really bizarre messages that very antisocial, uh, just uh, dehumanizing messages that, yeah, what are you thinking? <laughs> Would, is what I think every time I hear those. Uh, they're repulsive to me. Um, and there's only been one exception to that rule where um, one, one girl I went on a date with said that she had never had a negative experience. Um, but it also seems to spill out in actual dates too, where guys will do inappropriate things, say inappropriate things, um, or look completely different uh, <laughs> than their profile picture. Yeah. What's, what's your personal experience with using the apps? Like how, what, like what is your impression of what it's like to use them? Yeah. So for me, it's not necessarily like a, a, a barrage of, of messages. Um, it is rather low. I know on, on most apps um, I'll have, you know, five to 10 likes and that's probably every month, the other month. Um, whereas I'll talk to, uh, girls that I go on a date with and they're at 99 plus and it just sort of stops at that. It stops going up. Yeah. And that's mine right now. <laughs> yeah. So that, uh, that is one difference that I've noticed personally. Uh, but typically lots of things happen. Um, some people call it ghosting. I, I think what happens is typically, um, 
girls, women are um, getting messages from multiple people. And for one reason or another, they're talking to multiple people at the same time. And for whatever reason, oh, this guy messaged back that I was really interested in. So I'm going to stop talking to this, these guys, and I'm going to focus on this one person. And I think that's probably the best explanation uh, for what happens with a ghosting scene. Um, mm-hmm. But when you finally do um, actually meet up and plan a date, um, my, my experiences uh, have really been positive. I can't think of, with the exception of one experience, um, mine have always been positive. Very cool. So it's, it's interesting because, you know, this, this sort of confirms a lot of the, you know, typical narrative that we hear about, you know, the difference between uh, male and female presenting experience on the applications about how, you know, women tend to be inundated with messages and men sort of have uh, narrow selection. Um, I'm curious about what do you guys think that where that difference comes from like what what is it that that makes you sort of feel like um that that like why do women not swipe right more or why you know why do men swipe right so often uh you know what like what's kind of your sort of impression as to like what's going on there I mean, I saw this um, this viral video on Facebook one time where it, someone was like at a baseball game or something and they were zooming in on this guy sitting a couple rows ahead of them and the guy was on, um, was on Tinder and just swiping right continuously, like nonstop, not looking at the profiles, not reading the bios, just swipe, 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 um, like throwing a real big net out there. So it's almost like he's just looking for anything um, versus I have a very uh, specific um, kind of order of things when I'm on Tinder. Um, I look through the first couple pictures. If I think he's cute enough, um, I'll open the profile, read the bio. Um, If I like his bio, then I'll swipe right. So it's a lot more involved for me um, versus, you know, like I said, I'm not just out here swiping right until I find a match. but yeah, there's also like, I have a very strict list of um, criteria that is like an automatic swipe left for me personally as well. Um, so like if they don't have a bio, no, like if you're not even going to take the time to do that much, then no. Um, if they are holding a dead fish or posing with a dead deer, um, I swipe left. Um, Republicans or conservatives swipe left. Um, so and I could I could take up the entire podcast um, telling you what my criteria for an automatic swipe left is. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like men, and I don't want to say all men, um, but I do feel like men tend to be a little less picky. Um, so maybe that's kind of the difference, um, at least in my experience. So how about you, Matt? I think there's a couple of things that may be going on behind the scenes. Um, one and this is just speculation on my part. Um, I think one, there may be more male users of these apps than there are female users. And I don't want to try and speculate why that might be, but I I think that may be 
the case and what what's going on um, with some of the disparities. Um, and I think that there's also um, some different expectations that that may come from cultural uh, pressure um, that that may one of the, one of the things that I've heard from um, some of my acquaintances that are female uh, coworkers and such over the years has been I don't want to resort to online dating and there's sort of this stigma that oh I have to go and resort to looking online to find somebody and so um, I, I feel like I, I don't know this for certain this pure speculation, but I feel like there's that pressure, um, possibly even more for, for women, um, that it's a bad thing if you're having to go online to find somebody to date. Mm -hmm. And whereas for, for men, it's, it's, uh, you, you don't have quite that same pressure anymore that you used to. It's sort of like, you know, you're looking for a prize. You're looking for something to get as a guy. And so, you know, you're just going online just like you would to shop. And I, I think there's that cultural pressure um, that that's kind of driving that behind the scenes. Um, and then that leads to um, you know, what we see, what we observe. Um, and I, I think it also leads to men maybe expecting something different than women expecting um, on uh, dating apps. Yeah. yeah, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ashley. Oh, oh no, I was just going to say, um, you know, building on that, that whole like stigma thing. Um, there's people who put in their bios, they're like, oh, we can lie about how we met. We can tell them we met at the library. Um, like almost like they're joking, but I, I do agree. I think there is a stigma for some reason about online dating, um, which is wild because it's 2021, like everything is online, you know, especially after going through the pandemic. Um, but yeah, no, I very much agree that there is that stigma there. Yeah. I mean, I, um, a very long time ago, uh, now I'm, now I'm doing the math in my head. I think it would have been like, Oh nine. Yeah. I, I met someone, uh, online and, and I actually, like they ended up living with me for a very short time, but uh, I, I definitely told like everybody else I knew that we met. Like we, yeah, we had a whole different story about how we met, and it was definitively not online on a chat room. Like, and of course, like yeah, that was. I mean, it wasn't before dating websites. Like dating websites were around, but we, we met on like a random chat room. Because I mean, yeah, I wasn't gonna like pay for like plenty of fish or any of that stuff that was going on at the time, and and like oh nine like plenty of fish and stuff like that was more geared towards like older adults and i was a 19 year old kid but uh but yeah to the point yeah no there was definitely a stigma around that then and i i would imagine that a number a, a chunk of that is around today mm -hmm. uh, it's it's funny because i remember that stigma like around that was like man uh my my memory about that is one that basically the idea that meeting people on the internet was dangerous and there was a sort of embarrassment of like admitting to everyone that you did this thing that everyone would be like wow I can't believe you did that that's really dumb I guess you got very lucky and like 
uh, like pushing back against that narrative and saying like, I actually don't think it's that dangerous to meet people online. Uh, I remember this very specifically around meetups that happen uh, among guilds in World of Warcraft because I was really into World of Warcraft when I was in my early 20s. And like guilds would meet up in person. People from all across the country would like go in and, and meet at some place. And like, like people would make jokes about like, all right, well, I'll, I'll hopefully be back here in a week and not be murdered. Like about any, any time, like you were going to meet someone on the internet, it was like almost guaranteed to be uh, paired with a joke about possibly being murdered by an ex murderer or something. And I feel like a lot of that stigma stems from that sort of perception, which is interesting because while the internet like certainly does carry some degree, does carry a amount of predatory behavior, um, a lot of that is like very hyped up in the media of stuff of making it out to be like super ultra dangerous when it is at least only slightly more dangerous than it would be just meeting people at a bar or whatever possibly less dangerous because alcohol is not involved <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's what i was just kind of processing in my head is like i remember you know i mean like when i was a kid well a kid when i was uh, a teenager my mom was single and dating and you know of course as an older person dating in a kind of older way and i mean like she was going to the bar and she would you know meet people at the bar and uh that seems way more dangerous to me when i think that through in my head like especially like you know in the early 2000s when we didn't have a smartphone on us where we could research people on the fly um meeting somebody in a bar and then potentially going home with them without like having any background done on them sounds way more dangerous like going <laughs> to a second location with a person you just met and you have no background information on them um yeah, that that sounds way more dangerous to me than meeting somebody on online in the modern times, especially where like, you know, most people you can get some pretty comprehensive uh, background information on a person. Yeah, I, I think that's a generational thing. Um, because, you know, we were, our parents did, they raised us as, you know, very stranger danger. Um, you don't meet people online, it's dangerous. And my mom, even now, I'm 30 years old and my mom is still, anytime she knows I have something going on, she's be safe, make sure someone knows who you are or who you're with and where you're at and text me when you get home and make good choices. And I'm like, mom, like you need to relax. Like I've been talking to this guy for almost a month, like, because I do, I like to talk to people for a little while before I actually meet up with them. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it is, it's a generational thing there that they're still very like, oh, you're, you're going to get murdered if you go out with this guy. And I'm like, I'm probably not like, he's probably not using Tinder if he's a serial killer, like, cause that leaves quite a trail. Like think about it. Um, yeah, no, I, I hear that from her all the time. Um, she's very concerned about my online dating. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, that's been in my experience as well. Um, I've been on several dates um, where um, my date is getting bombarded with text messages uh, mm -hmm. asking, you know, are you okay? Did you make it? Uh, is the guy real? Um, yeah. Let me know if you're going somewhere. And it's tip and, and a couple of dates even had multiple people, friends, siblings, mm -hmm. parents, grandparents texting them and they would have a group text. <laughs> yeah. And she was just providing updates like, uh, 
and, and so that's that's definitely been in my experience as well um but of course uh me being a 33 year old male you know no one is texting me or telling me to be safe or <laughs> so right. there is there is that different that kind of gender difference there that yeah uh that I've noticed I mean I had um over the summer I had one guy that I met on tinder come over we were going to make dinner and watch a movie and my best friend um made me send her a picture of his license plate um and then also uh, a picture from his tinder she's like I just you need to be careful if anything does go down I need to know who this guy is and a way to track him down so yeah she literally made me send her a photo of his license plate and uh yeah like you said I think there's a little bit of a gender gap there I, I'd imagine that you're probably not out there taking pictures of your your date's license plates just in case <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, no, because I I feel like that would even send the wrong message. Like, oh great, this guy I just met online. He's <laughs> creep pictures of my license plate. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. If a guy comes and starts taking pictures of your license plate, you're immediately assuming it's like this guy's a stalker, hundred percent. Right. Like, yeah, right. Which is actually really interesting because this this rhymes with a lot of the stuff that we talk about on the podcast. Of like, right here we have a very stark difference between. Uh, the male and female experiences where, you know, you have men who are perceived as predators and women who are perceived as prey. Not to say that that is not somewhat based in, in, a, in a completely rational, you know, self-preservation. Like there are enough dangerous men out there that you have to be, you know, cautious, obviously, like women get all kinds of advice about like carrying your keys and your hands when you're going through mm-hmm. parking lots or whatnot. Like, but like as a message, you know, to send out to people who are concerned, like, you know, because this podcast is primarily concerned with the sort of male angle on it. Like, I, I want to like emphasize here that like this is a perfect example of the way in which toxic masculinity harms men. Mm-hmm. It's not just uh, the fact that like women have to feel in danger all the time, which obviously sucks for women. And there's lots of discussion about that, uh, but I won't bother mansplaining here, but like <laughs> think of how much this sucks guys. Like it's, you, you have to go on a date and like, <laughs> like no, knowing in your head the whole time, like, even if you have, even if you're like completely, you know, um, wholesome intentions and, and none of that or whatever, like you have no intention of doing anything harmful, right? You have to know in your head, I'm going to be, until we reach a certain level of trust and familiarity, I'm dangerous. And mm-hmm. I have to realize that all of my actions are going to be interpreted through the lens of someone who might be looking to hurt this person. And that, is miserable yeah it like don't like if you like this is why you should want why the men and the audience should want to change the culture surrounding men's stuff because it's not like this isn't pleasant this hurts us and it makes us harder like if the barrier like if you want the barrier to be lower for being able to go out on dates and, and, and do that, like women needs to feel safe. They, like right. if this is what you have to go through to go on a freaking date, like you're going to need to be very highly motivated to jump through all those hoops to make sure that you're safe. If the barrier was just lower, it would be a <laughs> lot easier. 
But yeah. it has to, but we have to make it lower by being safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Safe people to be around. So, yeah. Well, it's very much like a, and this sounds terrible to say, but it's almost like men are, you're, you're guilty until you're proven that you're not, um, you know, cause we do have to take these precautions. Um, you know, like in hindsight, looking back, I probably shouldn't have had this guy over to my home because I share this home with my daughter 50% of the time. Um, you know, and this was the first time I'd ever met him. So yeah, there's a lot of, um, you know, precautions. And like you said, hoops that have to be jumped through. Um, and it's unfortunate because I don't think that most men are, are dangerous or need to be perceived as dangerous, but because a few are, all of you are. So at least that's, that's from a female perspective. I won't say the only female perspective. And I, I, I wanted to piggyback off of the thing that Ashley had said, which is talking about like, oh, because some men can be dangerous you have to pretend that all of them are, uh, which of course makes sense from a safety perspective, but it's actually interesting uh, because um, that is technically true in the other direction. Um, there are some women that are dangerous uh like men are occasionally the the victims of you know women in violent crime of various kinds right but we don't have to and rightfully so mind you i'm not saying uh that we should be just as cautious as women or anything um but uh we despite the fact that some women are potentially dangerous uh men don't have to take 15 safety precautions to ensure that they're going to get home safely. Um, so I, I actually think it's, it's an interesting question of, you know, is what's going on here merely a response to the possibility of meeting up with someone dangerous? Or is there, like, I think that there is at least a perception and, and, certainly in many cases a reality that men are more dangerous than women um, on average. And that certainly bears out in the data. Um, but that is something that we have a degree of control over as men, you know? And I think that we have the ability to say um, if we can start being safer, being more considerate, being, you know, more le- less um, aggressive with what we're tr- what we are attempting to do that the environment can become such where eventually women can just safely go on dates without having to worry about having 13 friends to text to make sure mm-hmm. that they're not getting you know murdered drugged or murdered yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean like that's um i i i agree with you i mean it, it's it that is like yeah we we have a certain amount of 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 obviously of responsibility and i mean like and it's kind of like i feel like too many men take it as like well i'm not dangerous and i'm not violent therefore boom responsibility fulfilled i've matched it i'm good there's a lot of like the d- 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 making sure that you 
provide a safe environment in that like thinking about how you if you invite somebody to a date somewhere making sure that it's a safe space for them to feel comfortable being on a date with somebody don't be like hey can i come over to your house for the first time i just met you on the internet this sounds great mm-hmm. um you know taking other people's safety precautions into mind uh, of course you know like we talked about there's an there's a side of that that is feels really shitty which is the side where you just know that the other person sees you as a threat but there's also a sign of that that's just general consideration it's same as like you know selling something on facebook marketplace i'm gonna be generally considerate of and i'm not saying that dating is like to my point like you know i'm I'm gonna be i'm gonna try to be considerate of what another person is going to feel comfortable doing and i think not enough men take that into account when dating uh i think that's definitely something i've encountered with like you know men who are friends of mine uh who you know will tell me about like well i asked her to do this and she wasn't interested i'm like well dude that sounded like a great way to get killed like you know like just met a girl online and like invited them to go to like a lake house for the weekend with them like no dude no no person in their right mind would do that um well well, but i'm a safe person but they don't know that Mm -hmm. Uh, just having that consideration for another person i think is is this is this is a conversation i have with my children all the time you know they'll they'll do something or say something that uh it'll be something like oh like you like he um will always blow off his brother you know or whatever you know his brother is like hey come play with me he'll like no i'm doing something and i have to say like bud if you go up to someone all the time and you say i want to play with you and they always blow you off what do you walk away thinking and he's like well i think they don't they don't play with me i was like right do you do you not want to play with your brother he's like no i do i just i'm doing something right now i'm like but from his perspective he's all he has to go off of is the way that you act towards him it doesn't matter what's going on in your head nobody but you has access to that you have to imagine what the other person's perspective are like and then imagine seeing yourself from their perspective and you have to factor that into how you want to come off and if you don't do that you can't act surprised when you act super weird and suspicious (laughs) and then someone's like oh hey you're weird i don't want to be around you and then you're like well well, i wasn't going to do anything bad and they're like well they don't know that bud they They don't don't have access to your internal head that mm-hmm. doesn't matter to anyone but you. <laughs> All that matters to everyone but you is what you do on the outside. Mm-hmm. Same type of conversations I have every week with my fifth graders. <laughs> 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 I, I think it is interesting um, because thinking back, I try to think in my mind, I try to put myself in other people's shoes. And when I try to take those precautions, uh, I'm not overtly aggressive. So when I match with somebody online, I don't immediately go, you know, just a few token messages back and forth. And then I don't just dump my phone number saying, Hey, text me or let's video chat or let's, mm-hmm. let's meet up. Um, whereas I might do that in a, in a face-to-face social setting, like at a bar or a function or something. Um, but online I, I inhibit myself. And I, I try not to do that. Um, and I'll make sure that it's days, maybe even a week of talking before I, I try to bring up, well, hey, um, this app is really annoying. I hate messaging on here. It's a terrible experience. Here's my phone number if you want to text me. And 
And the problem is, is that although it works sometimes, uh, other times I've noticed that it is read by women as being disinterested in them. That, man, this guy's dragging his feet. He must be talking to 10 other women. He's obviously not interested in me. He's just dragging me along. And it's frustrating because mm. you're you're just kind of pulled in those two different directions and you're trying to mm. find that balance. And I, I feel like there's been at least a handful of t- women that I've initially met that there's a lot of potential in chemistry that they unmatched. Um, and I, I think it was, I was kind of dragging my feet too much, taking taking too long and they got disinterested or thought that I was disinterested. And so they didn't want to get burned. And so they just unmatched and washed their hands of it. <laughs> Before either of us comment on that, I'm curious to see if Ashley has anything to add to that. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's interesting to me that that's been your experience because um, for me personally, um, if, like you said, you send out a couple messages and then immediately go to your phone number, um, that's a big red flag for me. I, I'm not gonna like, no, like I don't even know you. I don't. Um, so I personally, I like to, like I mentioned, I like to talk to people for a while before I even meet up with them. Um, I like to talk and make sure that we actually have chemistry, um, on the app before I give out my phone number. Um, so, you know, if it takes, you know, a couple days or whatever, like that's, that's fine. I'm more into that, um, than I am you immediately demanding my phone number. Um, and I've had guys actually unmatch me because of that reason. Exactly. Um, they'll ask for my number and I'll be like, I'm not comfortable with that quite yet. Um, but I don't know, I guess it's just, it's kind of hard to gauge because, um, the guy that I'm talking to right now, um, the main guy that I'm actually most interested in, um, he and I exchanged numbers, um, the night that we matched and it was actually me that initiated it. Um, and the reason that I did so is because Tinder has a character limit on messages and, um, both of us were just constantly going over it. Like I got to the point where I had to switch over to my notes app, um, type out what I wanted to say and then copy and paste it in pieces. Um, so I told him, I was like, Hey, uh, this conversation seems to be going really well. Um, is it too forward for me to suggest switching to text? Cause that would be easier. Um, so yeah, like I said, it was, it was the day we matched, but the chemistry was there. The vibe was there. Um, so I initiated that, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's interesting to me that I said some women are um, thinking you're not going fast enough because in my experience, it's been the opposite where they're trying to move too fast and I'm just not comfortable with that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because like I was going to like this piggybacks into a broader comment that I was thinking about, which is that right here we have yet another example of of the ways in which like, you know, masculine stereotypes tend to apply contradictory standards. On the one hand, mm-hmm. like, um, uh, you know, we're dangerous, you know, perceived as such at the very minimum. And we have to compensate for that mm-hmm. uh, by, you know, taking into consideration. But the problem is we have a contradictory pressure, which is that men are, are generally expected to be aggressive. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't mean that in like a physical way. I mean that specifically like, a, like you know, uh, I think we all kind of 
probably grew up in an environment where it was generally expected the guy asks the girl out, the guy, mm-hmm. you know, proposes, the guy does like kind of the things that move the relationship forward. Like that's mm-hmm. the expectation. So like there's there's that counter pressure of like, um, you know, there are of knowing there are a lot of people in the dating scene who still have that expectation and so you have to be the one to move something forward but at the same time if you move it forward at the wrong time to this person's standards (laughs) you get unmatched right right and that i can i can see how that would cause a great deal of frustration on both sides because like on the one hand like you you it feels like you're you're playing a sort of guessing game of like what mm-hmm. for this particular person am I going to guess right on what what <laughs> on what the exact right amount of time is insert my phone number into the conversation right uh, because I have to be the one to do it for some reason you know it's a it's an interesting dynamic yeah well and I will say you know just me personally um I I do very much put a lot of it on the guy um I nine out of 10 times, I won't message first. Like there's been a very, very few people that I've matched with where I will be okay sending the first message. Um, but no, like I normally wait for them to come to me. Um, this, like I said, this guy that I brought up that, um, we exchanged numbers. I was the one that brought that up, but normally I don't. Um, so it is very, it just depends on the person and, you know, the chemistry, how the conversation's going. Um, but I will say that, you know, that is probably unfair to these guys. Um, because like you said, it's a guessing game. Like, yes, I'm going to expect you to do this, but also if you do this at the wrong time, then, Mm-mm, nope, I'm out. I don't feel safe anymore. I don't feel comfortable. It's done. Um, it's almost, it, it's almost like a, you're, you guys are damned if you do and you're damned if you don't kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no. And I don't know where that stems from, whether it's just, you know, growing up, you know, having, this is the way that it's done. Then the guy takes control of everything, or I don't know if it's a comfort thing, but yeah, I mean, I, I will absolutely own up to that. I do usually expect the guy to kind of take the lead, but like based off of my comfortability with him, if that makes any sense at all. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. And certainly the cultural default assumption. Yeah. One of the things that I think a lot of this at least brings me to is a thought on my general dislike of dating cultures, all dating cultures in general. Um, and, and I don't mean this just in the, I mean, like in part of like, yeah, I'm very grateful I'm married. I don't have to deal with all of this anymore, but also like, you know, even before, like it, I think there is a structural element of our society that creates all of this to exist. That is incredibly frustrating and unnecessary. Um, and that is to say that like, to, to rewind a little bit, uh, when I was in college, and I think when I think a lot of us may kind of share some of this college experience, um, dating wasn't hard. Like you know, when before I met my wife, and like the the reason I met my wife in college was because dating was a lot easier than we lived in this very uh, inclusive community. You know, one of the things that a lot of people talk about while they're in college is how there is this really tight community that develops where, you know, everybody is, uh, you know, of course, going to classes together and also going to like social spaces together, living in very close community environments. And they're just very, you know, it's very uh, 
community-based. And then you leave college and you go into this incredibly artificially isolated experience. Um, our workspaces tend to be fairly isolated and kind of, well, and intentionally designed to, you know, keep workers from interacting too much on a social level. Uh, also, we, you know, th there is a certain element of it that is just, a, you know, we're often paired up by then and, you know, you're working with a lot of people who aren't single. But like even outside of work then you don't have very many community spaces where people in your immediate space like hang out and do things and i mean like and i say this coming from like also when i lived in china and uh how community driven everything even outside of college was in china and then how when i talked with folks from china who moved here after i came back and they would talk about how oppressively isolating and lonely America felt. And uh, I've, you know, like I vibe with that, especially after like, you know, that was like, I, I expected all this culture shock when I went to China and I didn't really get it. When I came back, I got like a reverse culture shock where I suddenly felt incredibly lonely and isolated because we are just, we are so lonely and isolated in America. And I feel like that's what generates. So then we have to create this kind of an artificial marketplace so that we are able to form and build relationships with other people that is fundamentally broken because it's artificial and weird in the first place mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know sorry my meandering take on dating <laughs> i think it apply i think it applies to friendships too i think it um it was so much easier to make new friends in college and in high school mm -hmm. um and then as we entered the workforce and adulthood um everybody likes to joke that after 30 <laughs> you never make any more friends again uh <laughs> but yeah that, that's definitely been my experience in both uh, relationships and uh friendships that it's definitely a lot harder um in both aspects yeah, I'm most of the friends that the only friends that I've made after 30 years old have been uh, friends that I've made through, uh, you know, an organization that I started. <laughs> that is that is kind of dedicated to building this kind of community that we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, it's it's really interesting. And, you know, I think this probably merits its whole own discussion. I actually think uh, uh, there are a lot of uh, structures uh, uh rituals you might say about like the dating scene that I think uh, friendships could use as well uh, whether it's um, you know something you know like a, a sort of formal like uh, there's a sort of comfort that comes from like the formal like yeah, like do you want to go out like do you want to be boyfriend and girlfriend like type questions that like sort of solidifies of like this is where we're at whereas like uh, friendships have this like weird uh, messiness of like I don't know. We've been hanging out for, I mean, like a dating could be like this too nowadays, but like, you know, like we've been hanging out and doing X, Y, and Z together for a while. Like, are we friends? Like, yeah, I think we are. Like you kind of like fly into it. And then like on the flip side, like there are definitely sometimes I've had friends or I've known people that had friends. It's like, you need to break up with this person. <laughs> like this person is not a good friend. And Go Philip and I know uh, there, there's this one girl that I've been dating since January dating one girl that I've uh, been talking to uh, since January and we've met up um, probably twice a month, um, but it's just sort of never gone anywhere. 
And um, there's just that lingering question of, you know, are we friends? Are we still seeing each other? That still has yet to be resolved. Um, I'm still waiting to see. I think, I think what it is is that neither one of us really wants to awkwardly say, state that, yes, we're friends and friend zone each other. Um, and I, I, I also think um, that on her end, uh, her life right now is, is a little bit in flux. And so there's a lot of chaos going on uh, with her. But it definitely is frustrating that, you know, 11 months in, you know, we don't know if we're friends or we're still seeing each other, you know, or at least I don't, I'm, I feel like I'm in the dark. Um, and of course I've just haven't been bold enough to just text and say, Hey, are we still? <laughs> it's um, not like, it's not like middle school where you can like write a note that says like, do you want to go out with me? Check yes or no. Um, <laughs> it's a lot more ambiguous as an adult. And like you said, you don't want to approach that wrong. And so you're just kind of in this awkward limbo, like for 11 months (laughs) yeah there's certainly a refreshing clarity that comes with the naivete of like that youth of like you don't know how to do this you just like say the only thing you know to do which is like uh please check a box yes or no (laughs) like sometimes i'm like maybe adults should actually do that like (laughs) instead of like doing this like i don't know what are we gonna do and you like spend like (laughs) you waste like three four months of your life agonizing over like a thing that if you'd both just been like so what is this? Someone would have been like, oh, I think we're dating. Okay, cool. Like, yeah. you know, uh, people like get in their head a lot about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. See, this is where I'm just a psychopath because all the things you're all talking about, how you hate about dating is like, that was the thing I enjoyed. And when I'm listening to like <laughs> how date, how the dating environment works and all this like structured regimental stuff. And I'm like, that sounds like a nightmare. I would never <laughs> want to meet somebody under those conditions. Like all of my relationships. Well, I actually, not, okay. My, my wife and I, we definitely like immediately met and we're like immediately like, we want to date. Like we want to see each other like as in, in a, like that form of relationship. But outside of that instance, everyone I ever formed a relationship with, it always it started and often subsisted in that kind of a muddy water of like a, I don't know. We met each other, we hang out, mm-hmm. sometimes we cuddle, sometimes we do other things. We're just people live enjoying each other, and I <laughs> like yeah, I, I always subsisted in that area because the idea of regimenting it sounded generally frustrating because i didn't like yeah. all the rules um and i mean and even, I, like, I sympathize with what you're saying i will say on the flip side though that comes with a like i think that gets out of you a little bit once you have a very negative experience with incorrectly judging where you're at from the other person's perspective like yeah. the minute that you're like yes. you're like i've hung out with this person a bunch of times i'm going to tell them something very personal and then you do yeah. and they're like whoa hold on like look i play magic the gathering with you okay i don't need to know about your it's like oh okay now i feel like really awkward mm-hmm. i'm never gonna talk to this person again like <laughs> like the minute that you have that experience you're like maybe i should be a little bit clear about where we're at <laughs> right. during during the whole divorce process between me and my ex that was came up all the time and it freaked so many people out even if i told them on the first date uh it was always anger about why didn't you tell me this you know when we were texting 
Yeah, so I remember. It, yeah. I remember you saying, uh, for the clarity of the listeners, Matt and I have known each other since we were like little kids. Um, but like, I remember when you were going through that a lot, and you were saying how you were constantly experiencing this frustration of like, uh, you know, the first time that you told someone, they were like, "Why didn't you tell me this on the when we were first messaging?" And then like you start messaging another person and you tell them first and they're like why would you tell me this so soon <laughs> this is way too early for me to get involved yep. in something that deeply personal i just want to yeah. go on some dates and it's like what am i supposed to do <laughs> it's like you were talking about it's that guessing game every person has their own you know like i said level of comfortability and everyone has their own level of like what's okay to share and when it's okay to share it um and honestly like that's why for a long time right after the divorce in my bio i just had it straight out there i was like uh, I'm recently divorced, you know, I have a kid, um, just putting everything out there up front so that it was on the guy then to decide if that was okay or not. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it's a guessing game because everybody has different expectations. Everybody has their own like standards of what's okay to share and when it's okay. So you're just left kind of shooting in the dark and hoping you land on target, I guess. Yeah. Well, fortunately for you, uh, the guys don't read the bios anyway. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, I'm thinking in my mind that girls probably do read bios more than than guys Mm -hmm. do. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't want to put that I'm recently divorced or separated. Mm -hmm. Um, And then to kind of clarify that the divorce is ongoing or in the process, Mm -hmm. uh, because then I'm thinking, oh, they're going to filter guys like that out and I'm trying to think if I was a girl and I was single and I was trying to look for somebody to date I I don't want to mess with somebody that's in the middle of uh, a divorce because they may get back together and then that's super awkward yeah yeah so I'm just going to avoid it all and then I'm thinking well I don't want to miss out on somebody that uh is like oh you guys have been separated for a year but your divorce isn't finalized okay okay that makes more yeah. sense. I'm fine with that yeah uh, yeah so it's tough yeah I mean like I said I definitely do read bios um for me personally divorce is not like something that comes up with a red flag I mean it's, I, I've been through it like how hypocritical would I be if it if it was you know exactly. um, but but yeah no I I definitely get that you know it's it's tricky it, it's hard to navigate because I mean like I said there's just so many different people out there that you just you don't know you know you don't know what one person's okay with and what one person's not so it's messy dating is messy that's yeah especially when it's tied in with a bunch of like stuff that's associated with like safety and Mm -hmm. gender and expectations and all that stuff you get into this like uh like I, I just have to imagine that it's that it's a space in which like um it's got to feel very random like mm-hmm. like it, completely unprocessable as like you think like especially since it's easy to think any time that you have a um a failure like an unmatch or whatever mm-hmm. that it's like what did i do wrong yeah. which is sometimes the right question to ask because sometimes you are the problem but then yeah. again sometimes it's not the right question to ask because it's just like sometimes people aren't compatible for some reason right and it's nothing you can do about it it's just not the right matchup so it's like like you you can't even get like a clear answer on (laughs) am I doing the right thing and it's just I'm unlucky 
or am I doing the wrong thing? And I think that I'm unlucky, but I keep making the same mistake over and over and I can never get a clear answer on that either. I, I, I do not envy uh, having to do this uh, in, in a modern era where you can do that 20 times in one day as opposed to before where it was like a couple of times a night when you went to the bar. <laughs> yeah. It really, this whole discussion really reminds me of job interviews. Oh, looking yeah. for a job having a resume out there and then responding to employers and dates are sort of like round one of the job interview <laughs> round two of the job. Right. And then just to find out like hey you're a finalist but there's this guy that i've also been talking to this whole time so sorry and then you never know you, a lot of times it's you never find that out and yeah so it, it is rough. We won't have time to get into it in this episode, but certainly there's also an additional confounding element here of all of this crazy lack of information, confusion, uh, the disproportionateness of expectations, the disproportionateness of number of users that are male and female, all of this stuff uh, is all ripe for uh, someone who controls the medium of communication to monetize. Mm-hmm. And you can see that in the fact that right swipes are restricted, but left swipes are not, yep. which is very, very specifically designed to monetize people that, you know, do this swipe right spamming, like you said, yeah. uh, or, you know, super likes or any of these other mechanics that are essentially like pay for attention. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a. Uh, adding the profit motive to this entire environment, which is already complicated and difficult and nuanced, certainly mm-hmm. doesn't improve the um, environment. Yeah, and I think... I'm still... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, I'm still waiting for somebody to explain to me exactly uh, how super likes and super swipes are uh, useful. Um, because to me, it would it would be weird if I got a super like from a girl, and I can imagine that it would be really weird for a girl to re- or a woman to receive a super like from a guy. Uh, it just seems to come off really way too strong and way too forward. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand. I don't know of anybody that's ever liked them or used them, and it's like, are they there to be accidentally used? Like I, that is literally the only time I've ever used it was an <laughs> on accident. Like my cat bumped my phone while it was in my hand, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" I just super <laughs> like this guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get those either. It's, it's weird to me for sure. Yeah, and I, I, I think another sort of thesis that can kind of be pulled from all of this is that, uh, and I think one of the reasons that we like. One of the reasons we did we wanted to do this episode. One of the reasons why we're kind of focusing here on um, uh, cis hetero uh, dating environments is that the 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 incel ideal ideological framework that all of this exists in this alpha beta framework and this framework of like chads and stacy's chasing one another and all of this stuff at no point does any of that fit into this this is an incredibly complicated puzzle and that framework just doesn't fit anywhere over it it doesn't make it it doesn't mesh um because you're dealing with human interactions between 
thinking, uh, sentient, fully like, you know, in the moment human beings who have their own attitudes and feelings and, and pressures um, interacting w with one another. That is by nature complicated. Um, and, and so I think it's just a, a, a warning. Like I, I, my thesis would be a warning that if you want to take all of all of your frustrations at something and then boil it down into like, as we talked about last episode of the, it's kind of catastrophizing, you know, if you want to boil all that down into something that causes you to catastrophize it, it you need to step back and then reprocess the logic of that situation because yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, does anybody have any uh, last words to kind of add today before we wrap up? I don't think so. I definitely want to wish both Ashley and I luck. Uh, yes. Best of luck on <laughs> this adventure that we're yeah. going through. <laughs> may you may you soon be blessed with the possibility of exiting, however briefly, uh, the hellscape that is modern dating. Yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, does anybody have an organization or you know, social media page or anything whatsoever uh, that they would like to plug? I do not. Uh, definitely Red Dirt Collective. Um, I've seen the stuff that they do on Facebook. I've, I've been watching it grow. Uh, yeah, find out how you can help Red Dirt Collective. Look for them on Facebook. See what you can do to uh, support that organization. Uh, it's great. I know the people that run it. I know the people that, that have uh, built it up. And uh, it's a great organization that helps a lot of people. Speaking of which, we have a mutual aid fair on November the 20th. We can always use more volunteers for that. So if you have the ability to volunteer your time from any, for any amount of time in between noon to three on Saturday, November the 20th in Norman, Oklahoma, we would love to have your effort as we always need more people to hand out the plethora of groceries and clothes and uh, various other uh, things to uh, <laughs> to the people of... who are in need in our community. Yeah, any kind of skill you may have uh, that you think could be contributable is probably contributable. Uh, yeah, folks who can repair brake lights, repair bicycles, cut hair, just hand out food, any number of things, yeah. Um, well, I'd like to thank uh, both of you for joining us today. This has been a fantastic uh, discussion. I've learned a lot. I'm going to learn a whole bunch more as I go through and edit this. I, uh, I always do. I'm, I'm terrible at processing in the moment, and then I'm listening to it later on like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for having me. This was this was fun. It was, it was good to get to, I feel like, not only share my experience, but also hear, you know, the experience from the other side of things as well. So, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I feel exactly the same way. So thank you so much for having me. Um, I appreciate getting to, to listen to everybody. Uh, listen to you, Ashley. That's, that's, it's great. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, thank you folks out there for joining us. Have a wonderful evening, afternoon, morning, or whatever time of day it is. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>